Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 92 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to hold a end-of-the-year state of the sport seminar, training session, whatever you want to call it. We will dissect where the sport is right now and give our honest and thoughtful analysis. We all love NASCAR, but... With love, you do have to give some tough love at times, too. So we're going to be real with you. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly of where the sport of NASCAR stands right now. We'll break down here in just a few moments from right now. As always, let's go racing with David Starks, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year, David's 08 Ford Mustang. I'll tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace. Tickets over 125,000 live events including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR, Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. David Starr joins us right now. David, how are we doing, my friend? Man, Tyler, we're doing great, man. I uh, Just, uh, man, just, you know, working a lot at the shop, working on racing stuff, just uh, busy week, and, uh, man, just uh, enjoying a little uh, – Christmas holidays. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Dominic from the RacingExperts.com is here as well. Dom, how are we doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. Enjoying, well, I can't say enjoying. Who really enjoys cold weather? You can let me know in the comments below if you agree with that or not. But otherwise, enjoying the family time here in New Mexico and enjoying my wife and son. And I know they're listening. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, just having a, a great time out here, man. I can't wait to see you guys here soon. So, uh, you mentioned the cold weather there where you're at, New Mexico. David, uh, every time I see the leaves falling here, because we're just now really having fall here in, in Dallas, I think of you because I'm sure you're just crazy right now at home with uh, the, the leaves. And, and in case people don't know, uh, <laughs> this guy here cannot stand leaves and picks up about every single leaf in his yard right now. So <laughs> this is probably the worst time of year for you, David. Man, it's tough, man. I woke up this morning and did a little workout, and uh, next thing you knew, I got my blower, my big old blower out, and blew the leaves out of my yard, and <laughs> and I showed up tonight, and uh, obviously they were back. But uh, but anyway, it's just uh, hey, it's that time of year. But hey, Tyler, here, being being here in Dallas, Texas, man, it was uh, like seventy three degrees today, but it was a beautiful day. Oh, I loved it. Oh man, uh, I. I'm soaking all this in for the month of December. I am not complaining at all. I, uh, I've been wearing shorts to work the last couple days. I can't recall ever wearing shorts in December, but uh, <laughs> no complaints out Shorts of me. in December, that sounds like paradise. Yes. It is. it is, but it's Texas, baby. You know, we, we do live in paradise here. Uh, but, uh, Dom, soon enough, we'll get you to move out to Texas. You know, we'll just uh, – eventually, That that's – David, what, what do we have to do to get Dominic to move out to Texas? I mean, you convinced me. I'm here now. Our buddy Matt Jennings is here with us now. I mean, Dominic's the last missing piece at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a beautiful wife and beautiful family and beautiful little baby boy. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, I, I get it. It's kind of hard to up and leave your, your loved ones, all your family and, uh, but uh, hopefully, uh, Tyler, one day we'll uh, he'll uh, he'll have that U-Haul loaded up, and <laughs> he'll be headed east to to, uh, 
you know, but I, uh, it all works. Even if you don't move to Texas, it's all still going to work out okay. Well, even on the flip side, what is it going to take to get you guys to move to New Mexico? I mean, I know we've been called Diet Arizona. We've been called the land between Arizona and Texas. But there, everybody has a price. Everybody has a selling point. What would that take for you guys to come to the land of enchantment? Well, Tyler, I, I love visiting, man. It's about, about all they're going to get from me. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I like – same here. I like visiting, but – I think I get pretty bored after a while and, uh, <laughs> in New Mexico, to be honest. But I mean, uh, you guys got good, uh, good food, uh, good scenery. But no, I, I'm I'm deep in the heart of Texas now, David. I'll <laughs> always be, I will always be an Okie at heart. But I mean, I, I'm I'm proud to call Texas home too. I I, I can have that balance here, David. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is a cool state. I, Love going out there. Every chance we've gotten to go visit with NASCAR work or just even leisure and just driving through. I will tell you, because I thought it was one of the coolest drives on the way back from Talladega to New Mexico in 2018. And that drive along Interstate 20 through Tyler, Texas and going through the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then cutting back up north through Amarillo and Lubbock. Really good time. I do enjoy my time in Texas. Yeah. Um I'll just say this: we, we we'll uh, we'll find a way to eventually convince you to move here, and uh, you know I can't think of a better place to raise a, a new young family than uh, than Dallas, Texas. So, uh, we'll see. Man, we'll, we'll get there. Is your arm hurting yet? He's twisting the hell out of it. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It does sound really, really nice, and I know my wife does like the state of Texas too. So, yeah. you never know. Never say never. No, absolutely. I just want to be closer to my Venus, you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> of course you do, Tyler, and I, and I do too. We, we, we have to be close to each other. Yeah. Uh, It'll Texas uh, tornadoes too for you. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, so today's show, uh, as we go through the off season, basically, folks, just to kind of give an idea of what we're looking at show wise from now until when we get to the actual start of the season. If we're not having a guest on then we're kind of picking a topic of some sorts and kind of just elaborating on it as well as our normal news and notes segments and Ask David segments at the end of the show. And today we want to kind of focus on the the state of the sport, of where NASCAR is at as a whole right now. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start and, you know, lay the, the scenery and then we kind of can elaborate from there. But Guys, there's, there's a few things I look at. First first and foremost, the next-gen car, I would say, was an overwhelming success in, uh, in 2022. Provided a great product on track. It was an equalizer, saved teams money. But there was the safety concern, and we did see that guys like Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman did uh, you know suffer some injuries, and that was unfortunate. Possibly ended the career of Kurt Busch. Uh, David, what what did you make? Did did the next gen car do its job? What what did you make of what NASCAR put out there for a product for its first first year on track? I mean, you know, that's uh, just hearing you explain it, and. Um, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with you on some points there. Uh, the next gen car was su success. It was uh, 
very successful, but with, with, with challenges, you know, there's a lot of challenges, uh, challenges of, uh, getting parts for the cars. Uh, there's a big, there was a big supply chain with some of the parts and pieces to this next gen cars, which made it very challenging for the racing teams. Uh, you know, the, uh, you guys saw it as well as I did the, uh, the pit stops with having uh, wheels and you know wheels and tires fall off, uh, you know obviously the safety issue of it, uh, you know it was very expensive, uh, you know very expensive for now. It will be continue to be expensive, but over time, it will eventually save the racing teams a lot of money. But right now, with all the challenges and the changes, and adapting and trying to figure it all out. It's expensive for the teams, and uh, but it's a big but. Uh, the racing, uh, man, the racing was phenomenal. You know what I mean? The racing was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Uh, the car looked like it raced good. Obviously, more challenges with uh, how these cars are set up, how you set them up, the force that the tire takes on some of these uh, mile-and-a-half high-speed racetracks. Uh, we saw... You know, we saw tire issues throughout the season, some tracks worse than others. But uh, but all in all, uh, man, uh, the season was ex exciting. The racing was great. Uh, and, it, and it came down to the end. I mean, hell, every weekend it was you couldn't wait to, to see the race, watch the race, uh, and then to analyze the race because, uh, man, there was a lot going on. But definitely this next-gen race car really brought uh, – I think it spiced up our sport. You know what I mean? It brought a lot of new eyes. And, uh, you know, I think it was so good. We saw a lot of uh, world-known celebrities come into the sport. You know, I think the timing of everything was right. And, and, and we talked about it week in and week out. All the, all the parody that this new next-gen race car brought was incredible. So all in all, I mean, I just think it was a it was a success. Uh, the car was a big success, but challenging. There was a lot of challenges, and man, my, I take my hat off to NASCAR and and the teams uh, to 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 tackle these challenges as they were faced with them. Uh, you know, under the circumstances, and uh, it was man, I, I don't know. I just think the whole year was a success. I mean, and Tyler, hearing you talk about you know, the safety aspect of it and, and maybe possibly uh, ending Kirk Bush's career. I mean, you know, that was a big just disappointment. And, uh, but all in all, it was, uh, I think, pretty successful season. So for, for me, I'll, I'll look at this now. I, I was thinking about this. You go back to when the COT came out and that car was incredibly safe but it was a bad on-track product. I think everybody agrees the COT, the rollout especially of the COT years ago was a disaster. Um, and then you compare that to 2022 and the next-gen car, it felt like the pendulum went the whole different direction. Really good race car on track, but the safety stuff was not up to standard, up to par what it should have been here. It's like we did a whole 180 from however many years ago when they unleashed the uh, the the COT. 
Definitely. As somebody who's been covering the sport 12 years and watching it close to 20, Tyler, I got to say that has to be 2022. You just strip everything down and you take a look at the racing product. I can't recall a time where you saw this much parity, like how we saw in the last 20 years. And I've made the comparison on the show before where you look at the racing in the 90s and Jeff Gordon saying in his book, that separation between first place and 30th place in the late 90s and early 2000s was not that much. I really felt like we got back to that this year. That did come at a price, though. And I think you all these successes of the next-gen vehicle kind of get overshadowed by the injuries. You said it best with Kurt Busch. Is his career ending, or are we going to see a few more races? Who knows? But this new car certainly attributes to that injury that he suffered at Pocono in July. Alex Bowman being out for a few races. And I wonder, too, there, Tyler, if we're being blatant and, and brutally honest, if Alex Bowman tried to hurry up his recovery so he got one more race with Greg Ives atop the pit box. Maybe that's just speculation. Maybe I'm looking into something that isn't there. But I feel like that got a little rushed there, too. And those are some of the things, I think, that overshadow the successes of this car. But we talked about it a lot throughout the season, the comers and goers, the fact that you could really see anybody go up front and lead laps, win stages, win races, 19 winners and 36 races. One heck of a year for the vehicle. But, of course, it did come at its costs. Yeah, it did. Uh, all very, very fair points. Uh, the schedule. Uh, let's look at that now. Uh, the schedule changes this past year. Not too many changes from the year prior, as uh, we saw uh, the you know, St. Louis track gateway uh, hop on the schedule. You did see the clash uh, to open up the year from the L.A. Coliseum. The race at Coda was the first real race at Coda under normal circumstances. The year prior, they're running in the rain and was just a mess. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I, the, the way the schedules played out, Dom, I am a, a fan of what they've done to try new things, to make this work, um, you know, making every week matter in this sport with the system that's in place and the playoff system that's there. Um, and we're seeing, I think, the least number of duplicate tracks in a long time. If it were up to me, David, Dominic, I would never allow tracks to have two races a year. I would try to diversify the schedule as much as possible. 36 races and 34 or 35 different tracks would be if it were up to me. And to NASCAR's credit, they've done a good job of having a variety of different tracks, more road courses than we've ever seen before. I like where the schedule was at and that that product. I thought that was a step in the right direction this year, Dom. I, I think you're right as far as the diversity. I think from a business standpoint, it's certainly hard for the sport to be able to do something like that. But I think in theory that would be great because you have more diversity. You have more tracks across the country that are utilized. I thought it was great that NASCAR finally got the Cup Series to go to Gateway, and that returned to the schedule. And that, David, you've raced on that track in the Truck Series and I believe the Xfinity Series. A great venue. Nice to see the Cup Series go there. And, and at the same time, too, Tyler, I'm really sad that Road America was taken off the schedule. Yeah, we're going to get some more diversity next year with the Chicago Road Course, but, man, the Road America race delivered. And the diversity of the schedule and the fact that we were going to all these different places, it seemed like for about 10 years, between 10, 2010 – or I guess maybe even 2011 to about 2020, we knew what the schedule was going to be. We knew what where everything was going to fit. And it seemed like all the puzzle pieces got a little jumbled around over the last couple of years, especially in 2022. 
Yeah, David, what about you? What do you think of the uh, the what what's going on with the schedule and how much has changed as of late? Man, you know, I think NASCAR is just trying to spice it up. You know, they're uh, trying different things and trying different venues. And, uh, you know, uh, Tyler, I kind of agree with you. You know, if, um, you know, just just going to different markets. Uh, I loved it that the, that NASCAR Cup Series went to uh, St. Louis. Uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you, know, you know, a mile track that didn't seat a lot of people. But, man, when the Cup Series came there, that thing was a sellout. And uh, there's a lot of great race fans around that part of the country. And uh, just, uh, you know, I, I, I like it when they're trying to really spice it up and change it. You know, uh, looking forward to 2023 with adding the Chicago road course. I mean, we've never had a NASCAR race in a city. Uh, on a street course, uh, I think that's pretty awesome, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the things I was surprised that we didn't see was maybe a uh, a primetime race during the week, you know, something different, uh, I know we heard a lot of talk about that, but I just think NASCAR's really, uh, you know, whether, whether it be uh, wrong or right or be uh, successful or not, at least they're sticking their neck out there and trying to really appeal to the race fans and, and change things up, you know, and you got, you know, whether you agree with them or not, at least they're trying to really, um, you know, there's trying different stuff to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Uh, going to the LA Coliseum, uh, man, I was, I was so, man, I was just couldn't wait to see that. And man, that was nuts and crazy and it worked and they're going back and, uh, you know, so that's kind of cool and different. Um, but but anyway, I just my hats off to NASCAR for really spicing up the schedule and doing and changing it and doing some cool stuff. I think I really think overall, uh, you know, and overall from the fan standpoint, I think a lot of people was very, uh, you know, I heard a lot of positive feedback on it, more positive than negative. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, with the schedule in the future, next year we add North North Wilkesboro. Uh, to you know, host the all-star race. We mentioned the Chicago street race is going to happen. Uh, real quick, just kind of around the room, what do we want to see in the future for the schedule? What uh, what comes to mind, Dom, uh, possible new tracks or changes you'd like to see in the future? Man, I, I think maybe I'm still stuck in second gear from the, the last little bit we were talking about, but I, I really think Road America should be back on the Cup Series schedule. And it was on the schedule in the 1950s. And we went back for two years in 21 and 22. I'd like to see Road America back on it. Ultimately, Rockingham, I think, would be awesome to be back on the schedule if SMI could find some sort of way to work that in or North Wilkesboro with a points awarding race. That hasn't happened since 1996. Those would be some possibilities. Man, I think it would be really cool to see, I don't know. We like chaos on the show. What about starting the season and ending the season in Daytona? Yeah, uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, you know, the Bristol Dirt Race, I think, has been exciting the last couple of years, but I'd like to see a real dirt track like Knoxville or Eldora or something, you know, have have a, a cup race. You know, somebody that actually is suited to be a dirt track, not dirt just thrown on a track. Um, you know, that comes to mind for me. I'd, I'd also like to see the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And I think things are moving in the right direction. I would bet that happens sooner rather than later that we see the uh, fairgrounds uh, get a race and 
And, you know, if the Chicago street race is success, I think that opens up a whole new can of worms, maybe New York, maybe Vegas, you know, I mean, uh, so those are some of the things that I'm just spitballing there. What about you, David? What, what kind of new tracks would you like to see in the future? You know, I'm just listening to y'all talk, uh, you know, the, the dirt race is kind of, it's really cool. And, and, and people are very intrigued by that. The dirt racing around the United States is just, man, you know, every dirt race I go to, when I get done racing Saturday afternoon, I'll, I'll find a, 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 a dirt track somewhere, whatever, whatever kind of short track is close to me. And it's usually, you know, 85% of the times it's usually a dirt track and man, it's standing room only. Uh, most of the times and people are crazy about this dirt racing stuff. It's good stuff. It's great racing. And, um, uh, I, I kind of agree with you, Tyler. It'd be kind of cool to see the cup cars go to, to a, a traditional, a real dirt track and not one where they bring in dirt, even though the Bristol race is pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Uh, but I, I don't know, you know, I, um, um, you know, uh, I'm still not really sold on on a street course in a city. Uh, you know what I mean? That that really remains to be seen if that's a success or not. Uh, I know the uh, initial excitement and a lot of enthusiasm about it, but uh, you know that's one that I'll, I'll be watching to to see how that works out. Uh, but uh. I don't know. I really, uh, I like bringing back North, North Wilkesboro. I think the history of that racetrack, Rockingham, uh, those types of track uh, with lots of rich history behind them. I'm excited that they're going to have the all-star race in, at, back at North, North Wilkesboro for the first time. I think that's cool. Uh, Rockingham, uh, be kind of cool to see something there in the future. But I, I think really uh, NASCAR is just doing a great job. I think, uh, you know, every year when the schedule comes out, everybody's like, man, you can't wait to see what it is, what's different on it, you know. And I think every year that NASCAR changes it up, I think it's a great thing, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, another dirt race wouldn't hurt us. Uh, and like like it, like you said, Tyler, traditional dirt track. Um you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, Dominic said something about starting a season in Daytona, ending in Daytona. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, man, I love Daytona. Just kicking off the year, speed weeks when everybody comes to Florida, Volusia County, uh, New Smyrna, just all the racing kicks off in the month of February there in Florida. Uh, but, you know, maybe – in the future, every year they change up the finale. You know, it's, uh, you know, for years we had it at Miami Homestead. And then now we have it at, at Phoenix International Raceway. Be kind of cool if every year they really, uh, they they changed it and maybe picked a track, a different track every year, just to kind of throw a little bit of a, a curveball or, you know, spice it up a little bit. But the, the Phoenix uh, racetrack, they do a good job hosting that championship weekend, as well as, uh, as uh, Miami Homestead did, you know, but, uh, but man, you know, I, uh, it's just exciting to see the changes and, and to see what works and what doesn't, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and my hat's often asked for really stepping out there and just trying to do something to, to appeal to more fans. You know, the fan base we have right now worldwide is awesome. 
but uh, it's kind of cool that, that that they're trying to spice up the schedule. I think it's awesome. All right. So the uh, next point of this, uh, I figure I'd divide this into three parts as far as the state of the sports go. We, we've gone over the product. We've gone over the schedule. Now the nerd stuff, Dom, the, the marketing side of things. Um, you know, ratings were up across the board. That's always a plus. That's a win. You'll take it. I think races being on USA instead of NBCSN certainly mm -hmm. helped. I think that was a big part of why ratings were up. Um, but the marketing thing that, that I, I struggle with that just blows my mind, and I still can't figure out why this doesn't happen, um, why, Dom, is NASCAR not doing a better job of marketing their stars? Um, the Chase Elliott's, the Kyle Larson's of the world, um, you know, the Denny Hamlin's, all these guys. Why are they not bigger stars than what they are? Why are we not seeing them on late night shows or, you know, TikTok videos or whatever it may be? I mean, they're just average Joe Schmoes, you know? I mean, you, you could go to a number of places and these guys wouldn't even be recognized. I, I, I Part of it comes out of the drivers, too. They have to be willing to do more things to promote themselves. But the marketing side of thing still needs to step up. There was an effort uh, to an extent doing the, you know, the Austin Dillon reality show on USA and, and you know, the Race of the Championship Series. But none of it really resonated of some sorts. There still needs a better collective effort, I think, Dom, of promoting NASCAR stars. Well, because who wins at the end of the day of all this? NASCAR and the drivers and the teams, everybody would win with a better marketing campaign. You're right. As a kid, David, I'm sure you remember this about 20 years ago. I mean, I got fired up with video games and, and being able to, to play the video games. And I know kids are going to be appealed to that. But Tyler, I even think, too, like when we were kids, Cartoon Network partnering up with NASCAR and Drivers making commercials and ad campaigns with that, getting kids fired up like that, or even the fact that Cartoon Network had a vehicle that they sponsored and marketed directly to kids. I think that certainly plays into that, too, because you you get the kids young, you get them I mean, interested. even movie-wise, what was the last movie associated with NASCAR? Talladega Nights? Yeah. and 15 years ago now. You're right. And, and I heard Brian France talking about this on the Dale Jr. Download a couple of weeks ago, how he was really big on trying to get NASCAR and Hollywood intertwined as much as they could. And he, this is why he saw a lot of movies on the, the hoods of vehicles through the 2000s and the early 2010s. And Tommy Dreese, I believe he's a producer or somebody in the Hollywood industry. When he would race, he would have major blockbuster films on his vehicle. And yeah, we really haven't seen that in the last few years. I think that's a missed opportunity to tear because Dale Earnhardt Jr. even said it best that this really elevated NASCAR when you would see movies on the hoods of cars and all these Hollywood people, all these big time people, we knew NASCAR was big time. It made us feel important. That's what Dale Jr. said. And it's a missed opportunity here that NASCAR could recapitalize again. David, uh, what say you? Uh, I, I know that you know part of your job is marketing and working with sponsors and all that. Uh, how can NASCAR do a better job of marketing your fellow drivers here? Man, I don't really, you know, I, I, I'm just listening to y'all, and I, I think about Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think about Jeff Gordon. Uh, you know, when Jeff, man, when Jeff was, uh, man, Jeff really showcased our sport. I think he was the biggest star 
and, and did the most from a uh, television standpoint. He, you know, he hosted Good Morning America. They had him on Good Morning America. I think Dell Jr. Yeah. You know, Dell Jr. was just on Good Morning America. I mean, it seems like Dell Jr. and Jeff Gordon have really, over the years, brought a lot of attention, a lot of marketing to to our sport. You know, and you know, I asked I asked a question to you guys. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, I, I'm blessed that Brett Bear, special report with Brett Bear on Fox News. I mean, you know, Brett puts me. I've been on uh, special report Fox News. I think I, I was on there three times this year, you know, and it was amazing, you know, and, uh, you know, I, and only reason why that happens because, man, Brett Bear's a, a partner, you know, and uh, what a great guy. He loves the sport and gives it so much exposure. But, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I guess I asked the question, why don't we see more, uh, you know, why don't we see, I, I thought maybe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, even Jeff Gordon did some, uh, I think he did maybe a, 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 a God dang it, daytime television soap opera, uh, you know, uh, he was on a couple of those. Man, he was just really uh, connected into Hollywood. But but since Jeff has retired, I know Dell Jr. was just not too long ago on Good Morning America. But why don't we see, like you said, Tyler, earlier, why don't we see Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, uh, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano. Why don't we see these guys, you know, uh, on these good on these morning talk shows, or even, you know, uh, the 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 nighttime, you know, at ten thirty talk shows, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, whoever, you know, and you just don't see it. And I, I really don't, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, looking back on uh, David Letterman. You know, David Letterman owns an IndyCar team. He's really passionate about IndyCar racing. And I know they've had a lot of IndyCar racers, uh, you know, on this show, obviously, for years. And then then he retired. Uh, uh, but, man, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know is, uh, you know, I, I guess I asked the question is, you know, is is that is the, is a sport pushing that to happen? Uh uh, does Hollywood reach out to, you know, was Jeff Gordon just such a great poster child? I mean, he spoke well, he looked good. You could put him on Good Morning America anywhere, and he was going to represent our sport perfect. You know, he was just a perfect fit. You know, uh, you know, looking at all the stars of our sport of today, you know, who kind of has that charismatic about them? You know, who's very marketing? Who can get on a talk show, whether it be late night or early morning and really, you know, uh, do it, do it like Jeff Gordon did it, you know, is, uh, so I, I guess I just asked the question is, do we not have somebody like a Jeff Gordon type driver in our, in our superstars today? Is it a want to from a driver or is just NASCAR in general missing out on that opportunity? You know, there's a lot of questions. Yeah. I'm not really a part of that, but uh, but you guys understand more about that than I do. Well, well, Dom, uh, to David's point, you know, yes, I, I do fault NASCAR, but the drivers aren't blameless either. I mean, the, uh, you know, some of these drivers, you know, have been, been shy, you know, and not want to do the media and all that. I mean, you look at F1. 
the big step they've taken up the past couple of years, the number one reason why is because of that Netflix series Drive to Survive and what they've done to make those F1 drivers stars and show off their personality and all that. Um, I You could argue it's just as much on the drivers to market themselves and market the sport as it is NASCAR, that, yes, it needs work, but NASCAR can't do it all. The drivers got to do their part, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, man, the one that comes to mind, I would think, too, that maybe to David's point and to your point that could maybe be that poster child, if you will, because he kind of has those Hollywood connections, I would think would be Ryan Blaney. Because it seems like every time I go on Twitter or Instagram, he's at some sort of Hollywood premiere, walking the red carpet or checking out something Star Wars-y. And, and, and maybe he could give like, a little more of a push on that, too. But it is a two-way street. Yeah, NASCAR can do a lot of it. But the drivers, it's entirely up to them, too, on how far they want to take it. I mean, even just talking with some of these PR guys that have worked these tracks 20 and 30 years and, and just hearing how even back then in the 90s when NASCAR was certainly booming, you would hear about drivers not even thinking twice about coming on an off day during the week to come promote an upcoming race or an event or or drivers bending over backwards for the tracks. And, and I really don't know if you really get that nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. So, man, uh, uh, you know, I, I look at Chase Elliott, man, he's uh... – you know, good-looking kid, great race car driver, you know, most popular driver every year. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of interesting, you know, that you don't see him, uh, you know, you don't see him out front and kind of taking the lead on, on what we're talking about here. You know, Jeff Gordon did it for the sport and everybody involved, truck series, uh, uh, you know, the Bush series back then, uh, Winston, you know, Cup series, everybody benefited from it, you know. And, uh, man, I just, you know, looking, just thinking of the drivers we have, uh, you know, uh, a Ryan Blaney or a Chase Elliott, you know, I'm surprised that we don't see the, these, these guys, uh, more involved in Hollywood and late morning, late night, morning talk shows i mean we we uh you know our sport is definitely uh you know we're it's such a you know not just a united states sport not just in america but man people from all over the world really tune in and focus on nascar cup racing in america you know so right, right. uh and well, when like, you have uh, you have yeah, owners like michael jordan and pitbull and and uh you know emmett smith you just got a lot of really big personalities that own these racing teams it's just amazing that we don't like like you know you know there's just a lot of questions i don't have the answer for them but uh, it's right. good good talks the two best guys that have come to mind for me just real quick dom uh that have marketed themselves and uh you know i i think that could be the ones to point to to kind of lead the charge here are denny hamlin and bubba wallace and Say what you want about Bubba. He probably has as many haters as he has fans. But Bubba's done a good job putting himself out there, putting him in the mainstream and being a part of the conversation overall within the sports world and the the media world as a whole. And Denny Hamlin uh, has been a really good promoter. And, and you know, we've we've seen Denny in the commercials. Everybody still remembers the Domino's commercial where you know, the girl says, you know, hey, I like your PJs, you know, how big a deal that was, you know, stuff like that. So I think these two could be the guys to kind of lead the charge to, you know, take this next step to market this sport. And I think they're both very well-spoken and capable of being the uh, faces of NASCAR to the outside world. 
They, they sure are. And I think even just doing the big overall picture on that too. Recall a time 15 years ago where you would see drivers in commercials and not only airing during the races on Sundays, but even midweek, I recall seeing NASCAR commercials during the week. And I feel like maybe we've taken a little step back towards that because we really didn't see a lot of that through the 2010s. Dale Earnhardt Jr., sure, with some nationwide commercials, but Kevin Harvick with the Mobile One commercials, a little miniature Kevin Harvick. I, yeah. I saw those midweek. Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano with the cross-advertising between Advanced Auto Parts and Shell and the business-to-business -business done there with Team Penske. Maybe we're seeing a step back in that right direction, but maybe overall we'll see more of that. But I think that's where a lot of it starts, too, is seeing those names and seeing those faces regularly on TV. That's how people get familiar with you. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So very interesting discussion. I, I think we'd all agree the, the, the sport is in good hands. It's on an upward trajectory. Things are good, but they could be better. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. It, it, wouldn't you say, David? No doubt about it, man. I think the health of the sport is uh, is really healthy right now. And if you had a graph in front of us that we looked at a graph, it is definitely on an upward climb, no doubt about it. And uh, it's gaining a lot of momentum. Now, is it is it where it once was, 10 12 years ago, no, but I think it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's all fair. We'd all be on the same page and certainly uh, say the same thing there. So with that, we'll uh, move on, get to our news and notes segment. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won 2004. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to Ticketsmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's Ticketsmarter.com. Dom, uh, time for the news and notes. Your chance to tell us what's happening in the NASCAR world and silly season continues. Silly season continues. Are we going to see IndyCar racer and veteran Helio Castroneves finally make the plunge into NASCAR? Well, not so fast. At the time of the recording of this podcast, Helio talked to the media and with an interview with motorsport.com on Tuesday, December 6th. Helio was the first to say he has not nothing lined up for the 2023 season. There were talks in trying to get him to run the, the 2023 Daytona 500. The Team Trackhouse Project 91 has been one that's been possibly of interest, but he's right now kind of left in limbo. Guys, I'd personally like to see this guy get a chance behind a stock car in NASCAR's biggest race. I would, too. Um, there's still time. Uh, I think that I would still guess that he still does run the Daytona 500 and probably some more cup races. This could have been a move to put himself out there to let people know, hey, I I'm still looking, you know, to, to get word out. But uh, I think we're going to see Elio run the Daytona 500 and that we'll see him in a cup car at some point uh, this upcoming season. But uh, it will be a challenge for sure for a guy that's never run a stock car before. I mean, other than SRX, I guess. Um, you know, Elio's not going to go out there and be winning races by any means, but uh, it'll be cool to have him, uh, you know, just see what he does there. I, I, I love the idea of Elio giving Daytona and giving NASCAR a shot. I've always been a fan of his, David. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, you're talking, there's a personality right there. Dancing with the Stars, former winner of the Dancing with the Stars. I mean, he's a he's a guy you you did that that really uh, uh, fared really well with Hollywood. Uh, uh, you know, he's got a huge fan following. He's very charismatic. 
And, uh, you know, I, I would think that the sport NASCAR would love to see uh, Helio in a, in, a, in a stock car just because, uh, man, it would, it would really bring some worldwide news. Uh, I think we, 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 we uh, would definitely bring some new followers, new eyeballs to the sport. And it'd be cool to see him uh, race with the NASCAR boys because, you know, the XRX deal, he was very competitive. Uh, uh, I think he won a race, and uh, I think he would do great. And, uh, you know, just in the past when I used to drive for Toyota, uh, Helio would come over during a test, and they loved him. And, uh, you know, and I always heard talks that one day we would see him in a stock car competing regularly and uh man i'm surprised that it's it's uh it hadn't happened you know but uh it'd be kind of cool to see him in the daytona 500 john what do you think's easier uh a guy like jimmy johnson going over to indycar or a guy like elio trying to come over and run nascar man that is an excellent question i i, I don't even know how to answer that right i mean i don't have a lot of racing experience Big whoop! Yeah, I ran a hobby stock car once, but <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. But I can't imagine actually trading out like a full body car for open wheel and vice versa, and seeing how that transition. But based on past experiences and what we what we can go off of, I feel like it'd be harder to make that jump from a stock car and full fenders to an open wheel race car versus the other way around. I feel like Helio might have an easier time than Jimmy Johnson. Now, don't get me wrong; both of them are going to be very tough disciplines. But I think Helio might have a smoother transition. But let's say you, David. You would definitely have more insight onto that. Am I on par here? Or am I totally off base? Man, you're you're on par there. I, I believe that the guys coming from the Indy cars uh, to a stock car, I think that transition to me uh, would be a little bit more easier from the uh, stock car racers going into a uh, an Indy car. And you know, we really, uh, you know, was just looking at Kurt Busch and him running really competitive in the Indianapolis 500, you know, and, and hearing him talk about the Indy cars and how sensitive they were and, you know, and, and it's amazing. You know, I always, you know, I remember talking to AJ Foyce, like, man, AJ, it's amazing that y'all can run 230 something miles an hour in Indianapolis and it, and it, you know, y'all make it look easy and it's not, you know, and, he said, you know, I remember AJ telling me, you know, the faster you go, the more the car is being sucked down to the racetrack, you know, and kind of, you know, our NASCARs, I mean, we, we rely on an air and downforce and stuff like that. But I can't imagine running 230 miles an hour and, and having the the car, just the aerodynamics of an Indy car, how it creates a low pressure and it sucks it down to the racetrack, you know. But uh, but I, I agree with you, Adam. Uh, I've never driven an Indy car before, but I, I really would think that going from Indy cars to a stock car would be a little bit easier than than the drivers that transition from NASCAR over to an Indy car, you know. But I think. Uh, Kurt Busch really did a, a really great job. Tony Stewart was incredible uh, uh, at at both of them. AJ Foyt was incredible at both of them. But uh, but man, uh, it's kind of interesting to see. But I think Helio would do a great job if he if he had the opportunity to come up and run some NASCAR races, no doubt. Yeah, uh, certainly be exciting for sure. Don, what else we got? Well, it's never too early to start talking about silly season, but for the next season, right, guys? 
Kevin Harvick has said that he will be making it known before next year's Daytona 500 what his plans are for 2024. Kevin Harvick took to the media at the NASCAR Awards Banquet in Nashville last Thursday, and he told the media, there's no decision right now on if I'm going to race in 2024 or not, but that he should have an answer by the Daytona 500, and an announcement will be made before then. And he even said, guys, that it's only fair to let the partners know that all the stakeholders are involved with the team. So that way, everybody has an idea of what's going to happen the next season. But if that is the case, Kevin Harvick is now the longest tenured full-time Cup Series driver after the semi-retirement announcement of Kurt Busch. Harvick has been racing full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series since 2001. It's a long time, uh, 2001. Uh, Kevin Harvick kind of uh, on that uh, Tom Brady-type numbers uh, for how long he's been running at a NASCAR's top level. But uh, we've heard reports that Stuart Haas believes that uh, Kevin Harvick's going to retire, that uh, you know, they've already made the move to send Cole Custer down to Xfinity to go get his confidence back up, potentially get that car back. Um, David, I, I would be surprised if Kevin Harvick, if this is not his final season, if we see him in a race car in 2024 full-time. But, I mean, crazier things have happened before. So who knows, really? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, Kevin, he's such a racer, you know, and, uh, man, he still has that. He can still win, obviously, running, winning those back-to-back -back races not that long ago. Uh, that passion, that fire still boils hot in his body, you know. And, uh, you know, and I really think a decision will be made. Uh, and, and, Tyler, did I understand you correctly? Did you say that he was going to make a decision before this Daytona 500? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh because I, I would think that he would have waited long, a little bit later in the year to see, you know, uh, you know, the struggles that Stuart Haas had in 2022. You know, they started hitting their strides towards the end of the season, obviously, with Kevin Harvick winning those two races back to back. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, if he could, if he could, uh, you know, if they could hit on all eight cylinders like they were a couple of years ago when he won nine races. Uh, you know, I think he would probably extend that retirement another year or two, you know, but, you know, the grind of trying to, to figure out this new car and, and you know, the, 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 the commitment it takes and the travel and everything, the sponsor commitments, you know, it's, a, you know, that he's been living that commitment, like you said, like Tom Brady has, I mean, you're, you know, when you're all in, I mean, you it's 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 a lot. It's a huge commitment, and for all those years, man, it's amazing to be on top of your, uh, Kevin's game as long as he's been on top of his game. You know, but uh, be interesting to see how it turns out. I'd like to see Kevin Harvick win another championship before he retires, and I I think he'd he'd have a good cha uh, good chance in that here in the next couple of years. But you know, there might not be a second year; it might only be. 2023 but it'll be interesting to see you know and uh looks like to me uh he's still in good shape he's a hard racer he's obviously capable of winning races capable of winning a championship but what really uh what's i see a lot and you guys probably see this he really enjoys spending a lot of time with his children like we all do you know what i mean and uh you know, obviously, uh, working in this industry, traveling and the schedule and all the commitments, 
you know, you're away from your family a lot. And, you know, that might be something that really uh, will have a big factor in, in, in his future. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Dom, uh, anything else on news and notes? Last thing we have before we get to our favorite segment, Denny Hamlin also on that block too. He's hoping that he has his deal with Joe Gibbs Racing and FedEx announced for the 2024 season soon. So Denny Hamlin and FedEx are both in a contract year upcoming at the end of 2023. Denny Hamlin, like Kevin Harvick, is one of the more tenured drivers in the Cup Series. Hamlin has been running full-time in the Cup Series since 2006. He's driven the entire time, even in his part-time races, for the same team, the same number, and most more often than not, the same sponsor in FedEx. So we'll see where that all ends up at the end of the 2023 season, but another longtime partner and driver relationship ongoing, potentially into 2024, but that remains to be seen. So Denny, a while back, was uh, on the Dale Jr. download, and he said that as long as FedEx is around, he wants to drive for Joe Gibbs Racing and finish his career going out with Joe Gibbs, FedEx, uh, and himself, the three, that partnership, keep that going. But if FedEx were to leave, then he would like to race for 2311 Racing uh, and finish his career over there. So, um, David, I, I still think that Denny's got – several more years ahead of him. Uh, but I believe him. I mean, Denny, he's one of the most honest guys out there. In fact, he gets in trouble sometimes for being too honest, for speaking his mind. But I would bet that's exactly what's going to happen, that if FedEx wants to stay, then Denny stays with Joe Gibbs, finishes there. If not, then uh, he goes and takes the 11 car over to 2311 racing and uh, finishes his career with his own team. I think Either situation, staying in the Toyota family, whether it's for Joe or his own team, uh, Denny's going to have a, a good ending to his career either way. Yeah, you know, just hearing you speak about Denny, uh, he's he's going to – he'll he'll retire on his terms and how he wants to do it, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has such a great partner. Uh, you think of FedEx, you think of Denny Hamlin. And they're like fam, they're family, you know, they're family. Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin, FedEx. It's just, that's just a, that's a championship caliper organization team. And uh, if something, if something, uh, you lose one of those key ingredients in that team, then, then, you, then you really lost something, you know what I mean? And Denny knows that. Uh, so the, the commitment that FedEx has given Joe Gibbs Racing and Denny Hamlin over the years has just been incredible and it takes that type of commitment from a financial standpoint i mean it's 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 a huge financial burden uh it's lots of lots of money and uh but man you know uh it's the nascar denny hamlin joe gibbs racing uh you know it's been so beneficial to fedex uh you know and uh but i agree with denny if 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 if, if he loses one of those key ingredients then you know, why not go drive for your own team? I mean, you're it's parallel. It's parallel. It ain't like you're stepping down. I mean, you're going to your own team that's just as competitive and probably could be a championship caliber team. You plug Denny into it, and uh, he's in a, a no-lose situation as far as I'm concerned. But I, I'd still – I'd love to see uh, FedEx stay around for years to come and be kind of cool to see Denny – you know, race four or five more years for Joe Gibbs and, uh, you know, and then, you know, retire um, as a driver into ownership 
Uh, obviously, he's already an owner, but, uh, you know, how he wants to do it. You know what I mean? So he's, he's, he's sitting there pretty good. You know what I mean? And it'd be interesting. Uh, again, I'll be shocked if, if we hear in the future that FedEx is leaving the sport because it's been, it's been a, a home run for, for everybody there. Right. And I think UPS being in the sport and having so much success with Dell Jarrett kind of made way for FedEx to come into the sport. And now they've owned the sport ever since. So uh, amazing how that competition kind of paid off in uh, FedEx's favor. One more note on Denny Hamlin real quick, Dom. Um, he, he did say a while back, too, that he felt like his career was going to be in, incomplete if he didn't win a championship. But now he's come to terms that he can live with not being a cup champion, if that's what it's all said and done. Uh, but even hearing him say that, like, I, I've, I think this guy keeps on going, whether it's Joe Gibbs or whether it's, uh, you know, with 23-11, he's going to fight like hell to the very end to try to get a title before he officially hangs it up. If he has to go the Peyton Manning or John Elway route or – Whatever it may be, if it comes in his final year, I, it's hard for me to imagine Denny hanging it up anywhere without being a cup champion. Oh, he will be very competitive till the very end, no, no matter how long that end is. And and Tyler David, I kind of think of it like Bobby Allison. Bobby Allison tried so hard. He won so many races, and he was in the twilight of his career when he finally captured the 1983 Cup Series championship. Who's not to say that could be Denny Hamlin? It can be done. It has been done. It's been done in our sport. Maybe Danny Hamlin's that guy to get that done. All right, final segment before we go. It's our Ask David segment where we ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. It's presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Cam Board's primary sponsor this year, and David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace. Tickets over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit Ticketsmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's Ticketsmarter.com. David, uh, first question in the inbox this week comes from Kendall. Kendall wants to know, David, who was the toughest competitor you've ever faced? <laughs> Man, you know, I um, uh, Mike Skinner, my good, good friend and, and – um, kind of a mentor and a teammate for a couple of years with Randy Moss. I think Mike Skinner was probably one of my toughest competitors. Guy was tough, man. And uh, we, we, I don't know, just we always seemed to race by each other a lot for years. And, man, he wouldn't give you an inch, but he raced you clean. You know, if you raced him clean, he'd race you clean. Now, we, we, we rub and lean on each other, but, 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 you know, uh, I'd, I'd had to say it was Mike Skinner. Guy, the guy was a exceptional race car driver, phenomenal. But he was probably, I'd had to say, one of my cup toughest competitors. And man, the tough party was my buddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but man, when they dropped that green flag, it, it was like we was at war with each other. You know? And uh, but man, that's just you know whether you got buddies out there or not, man. We got a job to do. And and Mike was a tough one. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, a lot of a, a mutual respect there between uh, you two over the years. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, another question comes in from Alex. Alex wants to know, David, do you like eggnog? And what is the best eggnog recipe? I love eggnog, man. I, 
I don't, man, I love it. I have no clue what the recipe is, but you know, when you go down the road to Kroger's, my wife Kim, she buys a ton of it. Man, during this, uh, during uh, uh, the month of December, man, man, I, I, I'm consuming way too much eggnog. That's for sure, and uh, it's delicious, dude. Do you ever freeze it, David? Because it's good for six months if you put it in the freezer. Man, I I don't freeze it. I I'm 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 drink it all before I even have time to freeze it. <laughs> I mean, I I'm going through it. We uh. You opened up my refrigerators, any of my refrigerators here at the house, you know, you, we probably got about four gallons of it and, uh, it'll probably, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we just, we love it. But not only myself, my boys love it. It's just, uh, I know it's not that great for you, but damn, it tastes good. <laughs> Did you get those fortune cookies in the eggnog? Uh, no, I, I haven't, but, uh, but man, it's sweet and good, man. Woo. So I take it, Tyler, you're not a fan of eggnog. Eggnog's nasty. Oh, you're nasty. Eggnog's great. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Eggnog. Eggnog's horrible. Oh, no, I can't he just do. He hasn't had the right eggnog, David. He just hasn't had the right brand of eggnog or just the right cup of eggnog uh, to change his mind. Say this: it probably doesn't help that I don't like white milk either, though. You're talking to a guy that his his tour failed. I mean, come on, man. What do you expect? Come on. Oh, but. but Summer Jones was a smashing success, but it's, uh, it's well, December summer, now, David. We've already moved on. <laughs> it's December. We've moved on from this. I hear you, brother. But uh, eggnog, uh, not a fan of the uh, eggnog personally. But uh, I guess man, you're talking to I'm like surprised to hear that you're not a fan, man. Wow. No. It's so good. I guess you're a communist, Tyler, for not liking eggnog. A communist for not liking eggnog. That's a new one. Hey, well, I'm a communist for liking pineapple on a pizza per you, so I guess for you. <laughs> oh, pineapple on pizza is terrible. Yeah. David, what's wrong with this guy? That's <laughs> why I like anchovies on pizza, too. Ugh. I actually never tried that, but I'm not opposed. Well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear that Tyler Jones doesn't like eggnog, man. That's, man, that, that's so banned. That, that is such a... So I'll tell you what I do like when it Tell comes us. to time of year. You can't go wrong with some hot apple cider. That's what has my heart. Like I can, I I can drink, agree with that. I will drink apple cider all day long. Cold apple cider, hot apple cider. Maybe if you, even if you spike it a bit, like <laughs> I can't go wrong with some apple cider. And that's the thing. You could spike eggnog with a little bit of wine, Tyler. So, I mean, there's that on the table if you really want to get that kick. But, guys, we're making butterbeer this week. So, I'll report back on the podcast next week how it ended up tasting. Butterbeer. Yeah, butter. so, I don't think butter. I've had butter beer. So butter beer, it's it, you can spike this too, but it's the traditional drink at Hogwarts, right? From the Harry Potter series, and they serve it at the Universal Studios and all that. But basically, what the ingredients are is it's butter extract, cream soda, and I think caramel syrup or something like that. You can have it hot or cold. So we're gonna make it this week, and I'll let you guys know how it tastes. Sounds good, and it tasted good at <laughs> Universal. We'll see if my wife can recreate it even better. Awesome, okay. man. Good luck with that. <laughs> fun with that. On that note, uh, we will go. Uh, we'll put the checkered flag out in this episode. As always, subscribe to Let's Go Racing. New episodes out each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Also, follow us on social media, Facebook, at Star Podcast. Twitter, also reach us by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. 
For Dip Star and Dominic Alagon, Tyler Jones, sing so long. It's been another edition. Let's go racing. We'll see you next week.